We're going to transition and get ready for the word today. Who's ready for the word of the Lord today? Amen. I want to appreciate, take a minute to thank, thank our worship team today uh, for preparing and being with us. It's amazing. You guys did a fantastic job this morning. Well, listen, let me invite you to open up your Bibles or your Bible apps, whatever you're using today, to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew is where we're going to take our cues from today. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. While you're getting there, again, I want to just say hi to our those of you who may be watching online uh, today. Uh, in case you didn't know, we are uh, live streaming our services. We're thankful for to be able to have that opportunity because there's still a lot of folks in our church who are not able to get out quite yet. Uh, and so we want to, wanted to continue to provide that for them, uh, as well as others who are watching around who, who have called us online for the last 12 weeks. We, we actually uh, got a report uh, that some folks were watching who, who aren't in church, but they found us online, started watching, and have watched us every week since. And uh, in one, in fact, even sent in, a, sent in a report that they gave their heart to the Lord as a result of that. So come on, that's exciting. Somebody giving their life to Jesus and not even being in the building. Come on. That's amazing. That's amazing. And, and our church, all of you, you help make it happen. You are the ones who help make this happen. And so, again, welcome online and welcome in person today. Um, listen, last week was, was Pentecost Sunday, special day in our, in our faith, uh, the day the Spirit of the Lord was poured out on the earth based on the prophecy of, of the prophet Joel and then fulfilled in the book of Acts 2 and continuing to carry on, the Holy Spirit lit the flame that gave birth to the church on that day. And, you know, one of the things the Holy Spirit is so good at doing is bringing unity in our diversity for the edification of the body of Christ to empower us to be able to go out and reach the world for Jesus. We can't do this out of our own strength. We can't be nice to people out of our own sincerity. It takes a supernatural move of the Spirit to produce what the Bible calls the fruits of the Spirit. Amen? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. All of those things are beneficial, and that requires the help of the Holy Spirit. And it takes the person of the Holy Spirit to take what's on the inside of a believer, to bring it to the surface, and then to make an eternal difference in the world in which we live. And that's what we're going to pick up here in Matthew chapter 22. This particular part of this story is also found in the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Luke. Jesus is asked a very, very big question. We pick up in verse 36. And they ask him, they say, Teacher, what is the most and the greatest commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied this. He said, Well, you must love the Lord your God, with all of your heart, with the center of your being. He said, you must also love him with all of your soul from the depth of who you are. In other words, it's not a surfacey, uh, shallow relationship. Loving God goes deep to the person. Amen. And he says, and you also love the Lord your God with all of your mind, with everything of value in you and everything of value to you. Love him with all of that. But then he goes on and he says, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And then verse 39, he says, a second is equally important. 
love your neighbor as yourself. He says the entire law and all all of the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. On all of these, all of the laws of the prophets are, are based right here on these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. All of these. The late evangelist, Robbie Zacharias, I read a quote that someone said about him and said that he said, we have over 17,000 law books because we can't seem to follow the 10 laws written on two stones. And those 10 commandments were given to Moses in the book of Exodus in chapter 20. And you know, the first four of those commandments are, deals with our relationship with God. No, have no other gods before our God. Have no idols. Don't misuse the name of God and keep the Sabbath day holy. The other commandments, five through 10, deal with our relationship with our neighbor. Honor your parents. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't testify falsely against somebody else. And don't covet what others have. So you, you see the distinction and the, the parallel here, the, uh, the proposed question that Jesus is asked, what's the most important commandment? They thought perhaps he was just going to pick one of those 10 or one of those laws. No, he said, actually, you can sum it up on these two. And it's not just a summary. It's more everything hinges on these two. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 13 that love actually is what fulfills the requirements of God's law. And you can see that here in the essence of of this answer that Jesus gives. And so the conclusion is the essence of a person's life is expressed in loving the Lord and in loving other people. Loving the Lord and loving our neighbor paves the road for how we view and how we treat other people. Our love, for the, our love for God and our love for one another, it paves that road for how we go about treating other people. In fact, Jesus taught on this quite frequently in the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 7, verse 12, he, he taught the golden rule. A lot of us grow up hearing about the golden rule. Rule. Why is it so golden? Because of what it says. It says, do unto others whatever you would want them to do unto you, right? Do unto others what you would want them to do unto you. And Jesus said, that's the essence of the law. And love fulfills the law. Do unto others what you would have them do unto you. So the question for us today that we should ask is, what would we like others to do unto us? Each day of our life, what would we want others to do? To do unto us. I think we could probably narrow it down to one answer, and that is to just be loved, to have love expressed towards us. And Jesus said, Do that in return. Love others the way you would want to also be loved. Love. You know, that thing, love, is expressed in so many different different ways. In fact, um, Dr. James Dobson said he has these five love languages for couples and, 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 and marriages. And, 
He has, and each one has a meaning and how we're wired and how we're how the Lord made each one of us. Some of them are, are the gift, the love of serving. You you show love by serving other people. You have the the gift of of encouragement. You 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 show love by being there to encourage your significant other. And, and usually the way you give love is the way you generally would like love to be returned back to you. That's one of my, that's the way I show love. I, I show love at, at, to my spouse and my family by doing a lot of things. That's just how the Lord had made me. I, I, I like to do a lot of things to show love. And, and it, you know, encouragement's okay. Um, you know, there's another one about, you know, you express love by, by touch, you know, sitting close to your spouse or what have you. I enjoy that. Don't get me wrong, okay? Hopefully she enjoys that too. But that's not like the number one top thing as how I express love. I express love by serving. And so when my wife does things and it exp- for me, it, it speaks my love language. When she prepares food at home and makes it wonderful and she can take like the Graves in the Garden song, she can take nothing and make it into beautiful, good-tasting Food. We might have our cupboard might get a little bare from time to time, and she'll come out and have this five-course meal all whipped out on the table. And I'm like, "Where did you pull that out of?" She's like, "I'm just that good, you know." And she she really is just that good. But we have this way of expressing love, and we have this way of wanting to receive this love. First Corinthians 13, the love chapter, if you will quoted a lot at a lot of weddings, out of the Passion Translation, it says this, love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter For it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for love never gives up. Now, I know none of us are perfect in this thing called love, but thankful those who have Christ in their life, he's the one who perfects love in our life because he is perfect. He is love. And love can be expressed in lots of different ways. And one way love can be shown and expressed is in honor, showing honor to other people. The word honor means to show high respect, to show worth, esteem, value, and dignity towards other people. And that can only come from the heart. Honor comes from the heart. And today I want to take just a little bit of time that we have today. I want to preach a message that I've titled, Honor for Such a Time as This. Honor for Such a Time as This. And I want to use the story of Queen Esther and her cousin Mordecai to give the backdrop uh, to this narrative of this 
story and of, of what honor can be. Esther and Mordecai are Jews. They're related. Mordecai is her older cousin. Esther's, when she was younger, her family died. And, and Mordecai adopted her and raised her as his own. And kind of the story kind of begins there in, in the book of Esther with uh, the king at the time, King Xerxes. He, had reigned, he was ruling over, uh, about 127 provinces from, uh, all the way from India all the way around to Ethiopia. And he re- ruled from his royal throne in Persia, modern-day Iran. The Jews were exiled at the time there. And um, the current queen uh, had, had vanquished. She had, she had been put off because she dishonored the king. And uh, so they began this search for a new king, or excuse me, a new queen, the search for a new queen. And long story short, Esther was chosen to be the new queen with this king. And her being a Jew, her uh, cousin Mordecai was there. He was at a palace official, nothing too high, just serving there in the palace. And one night, Mordecai overheard two bodyguards of the king plotting a plan to assassinate the king because they didn't like him. And he overheard that. He went and told Esther the queen, and she in turn went and told the king, and she gave Mordecai credit for that, and the king took care of everything, and he he kept on living. Uh, Well, then it wasn't long before the king promoted a man named Haman to the second most powerful position in that era of time with the king. And um, Mordecai, or excuse me, Haman was one of those guys that when, all, when he would walk around, all the different officials there in the palace would kneel and bow down to, re, to show respect to Haman, except Mordecai. Mordecai, Jew, never would do that. And this infuriated Haman. It made him so angry. And he um, created this plan and got, a, got the royal decree sent out that he was going to give uh, to annihilate and kill all of the Jews. That's Esther and that's Mordecai, their entire uh, family and all of their people. And he created that plan to happen. And Mordecai learned about that plan and he, he, he got word to Esther. And he was like, you got to say something here because this is, this is going to happen. Uh, it's been written, it's been signed, it's been authorized, and this is eventually going to take place. And, um, and you, need to, you need to stand up and do the right thing by going and tell the king uh, what's going on. Now, it's one thing to tell the king when his life is threatened. She didn't worry so much there. But now she's worried because it wasn't the king's life that was, that was threatened. It was her and her people's lives that were threatened. And the thing, the kind of the background to that is you couldn't just go into the king's chambers just because, hey, what's up, king? Want to say hi today? No, you had to be invited. I mean, there was this correct posture, this correct protocol, this correct procedure that had to happen uh, in order to get to the king. And she, was, she knew that if she went and showed up to the king's chambers and he didn't want to see her that day because he didn't invite her that day, he could turn his golden scepter down and that meant the end of the queen. And she, it, it was a big risk. It was a really big risk to stand up and try to do the right thing. And and, and she had Mordecai and all of the Jews fast and pray. And, um, and she was kind of like, I don't know. And then there's this famous verse that, that, that we use so many times. It's, it's Esther 4.14. I'll read it to you. Mordecai telling the queen, Esther, if you keep quiet at a time like this, 
He says, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from somewhere else, but you and your relatives will die. But here he goes, who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this, for such a time as this. Other translations may say it, you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this, or you were born for such a time as this. Well, Esther, that hit her right in the heart, and she's like, you're right. You're absolutely right, and she agreed to go see the king. Well, she goes, sees the king. He accepts her in, and he's like, what, what do you need? And he, she, he said, you know, I, I'm willing to give you anything up to half of the kingdom. I mean, that was a pretty big deal. She wasn't expecting all of that. And she's like, really, I just want, I would like for you and Haman to come to a banquet that I'm going to throw for you guys. Um, if you'll come to that, it'd be wonderful. And so um, they go. They go to the banquet. They have a good time. Um, at the, near the end of the banquet, she leans over to the king and's like, you know, it'd be really honorable if you would come to a banquet I'd like to throw for you tomorrow night, and I'll really tell you what's on my mind. King was like, nah, hey, that's awesome. This is good. Haman was feeling good, second in charge of everything. He's like, the queen is throwing some parties here, y'all, and it's amazing. She invited me. He goes home and brags about it. He's got the big head, but he still cannot get over the fact that Mordecai, a Jew, will not bow down and show him the honor and respect that he thinks he deserves. So he, he, he listens to his family and some close friends, and, and he creates this plan the next day, he has this plan that he's going to kill Mordecai and then carry on with life and go to the banquet. Well, he, that night, the king had trouble sleeping. Anybody ever have trouble sleeping? You got things on your mind? Start to wonder, did I do this? Or I've got this coming up. I wonder how I handled that if, that, was a, if that was acceptable, if that was good enough, if I should do something different, or whatever. All types of things we, can be on our mind. The king had something on his mind. I like to call it a divine unrest. And, or maybe someone else has already coined that phrase. I don't know. A divine unrest where the, the spirit of God just is pulling on you and you don't know exactly why at the time. And that was happening to him. Because God was at work behind the scenes in this situation. And he couldn't sleep, so he called for the logbooks of his reign up until that time. And he wanted to look over what had gone on in his land under his rule. And he, find, he turns the page and he finds that night that Mordecai came and told Esther that, hey, your bodyguards want to kill you. And he got to thinking, it doesn't say, so probably not, nothing was ever done to show honor to Mordecai. So he's like, I have got to show honor to this man. I would not be here had he not stood up and done the right thing. I got to show this man some honor. So he calls in Haman, you know, the second in command, who thinks he's everything, thinks he's all that and then some. He's extra, you know. And, and so he calls him in. He's like, Haman, here, let me ask you a question. He's like, you know, what should be done to show honor to a man that has pleased the king? Well, Haman thought, well, man, this must be talking about me. Uh, let me think, king. Uh, well, we should do this and that and this and that. He creates this lavish ordeal to create this spotlight of honor that he thinks is for himself. And he shares this plan with the king. Hey, this is how we should honor the man who has pleased the king. And the king's like, man, I, I like that. You go do that for Mordecai. 
oh, Mordecai. But I, he's thinking to himself, I was going to kill that man. And you have all, the king has told me to do, you have to do what the king says, or it's off with you, right? So he goes and he does exactly the plan that he laid out that he thought was for himself, but now has to do it for Mordecai. Well, as you can imagine, probably Mordecai is on cloud nine. The guy's feeling it. He's like, this is amazing. All this honor and respect and feeling good and Haman feeling dejected. Feeling dejected. Well, they have to show up for the banquet that Esther throws. The king and Haman go. They're having a good time until the king and the queen start to talk. And the queen tells the king, someone has created a plan to kill all of my people, the Jews, who are under your rule. The king gets infuriated. He's like, who in the world would want to do that to my queen and her people? She looks over and she's like, well, actually it's that guy right there and she's pointing to Haman. Well, as you can probably get the picture, Haman starts to freak out, starts to lose it. The king gets so upset, he goes out and comes out to the patio, comes back in, and he sees Haman begging for his life to the queen, and it looks like he's trying to attack her, and the king just even more disturbed. He's like, this is true, finds out it's true, takes care of Haman. Haman is no more. Kind of long story short, the king then honors Esther, honors Mordecai, promotes Mordecai to Haman's position. What? I mean, takes big steps forward. The Jews are delivered. And there's this festival that's created called Purim. Anybody heard of that before, the festival of Purim? And that's, what, that's where this comes from. It's a celebration of the Jews' deliverance. This year it was celebrated back in early March, just before all this quarantine stuff. Next year it'll be around the end of February. But I want to draw your attention to the end of the story. Esther chapter 9, verse 22 and 25, it says this. It said, this would commemorate a time, talking about this celebration. This would commemorate a time when Jews gained relief from their enemies when their sorrow was turned into gladness and their mourning into joy. When Esther came before the king, when she stood up to do the right thing, he issued a decree causing Haman's evil plot to backfire. You know, when we stand up to do the right thing, to show honor to other people, to show respect, to show dignity, to show esteem, to show value to other people. God honors us in return. Even in those times when we don't think they should get honor and we give honor, God honors the one giving the honor for doing so. In the natural realm of life, in this world, Paul warns us of this in Romans 12. Stop conforming to the practices and the patterns of the world in which we live. 
but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will know what the will of God is for your life, perfect and good and acceptable in all of its ways. When we show honor to other people, God always honors the one who gives the honor, whether it's rightly due or whether it's done out of simple obedience to the word because you want to show what God says to love others, to love others, to honor people. Well, in these last couple minutes that we have today, I, I wanted to take a moment to, to just honor a few folks. Let me draw your attention to Paul's writings in Romans 12, verse 9. He said, don't just pretend to love others, but really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. He said, love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Verse 15, he said, Be happy with those who are happy, and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people, and don't think you know it all. Nobody likes to be around people who think they know it all. I can be that kind of person sometimes. And I can tell you, nobody wants to be around me when I think I know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. In verse 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. How about that? I want to honor the hurting. When I say honor the hurting, I just mean simply show love, dignity, value to the hurting. You know, as a church, as part of the church at large, followers of Jesus, people who bear the name Christian, you know, the world... The world always presents opportunities for the church to do the right thing. The church should always be trying to always do the right thing. To stand up and do what is honorable. You know, our African American brothers and sisters are in a world of pain and hurt right now because of what has been going on. Things are just not that great. Injustices are being committed. Things have been said, things have been done. And I know there's a lot of things out on social media that, I mean, you could scroll for days. But I think one of the greatest things the church can do is to stand in solidarity with our faith family. Just to say, hey, I love you. I'm for you. I'm with you. I hear you. I see you. I believe in you. You me are one together in Christ. As Paul says, be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who are weeping. As a church, may we continue to do that. 
You know, we have been known for that. We're a blended faith family of races and ages. That wasn't like years ago, like we should put that on our, you know, like our strategic plan. Because it's already in the strategic plan. Live the Bible as best as you can. Paul said, try to live in peace with everybody. As best as you can. So as a gesture of honor, we're not going to hug or touch because we're not supposed to really. And I'm not going to make anybody feel uncomfortable about that. But as a sign of solidarity, would you just join me in standing today as a physical act to say, hey, our world's not perfect, but our God is. And he is love and his love is perfect. And we're going to stand and honor the hurting. It's not always about having the exact right thing to say or always having to try to figure out the right thing to do as much as it is about just saying and expressing, God, let your love flow from my heart. Where I have been wrong, make me right. Where I have erred, correct me. More than anything, the love of Christ, may it compel me. May it move me. May it bring compassion into me so that I can see, so that I can feel, and that also so I can support my fellow brothers and sisters who are of a different color than me and let them know I honor, I honor them today. And I know, I don't know if you can pan this, Curtis, the audience. I don't know if you're able to do that. And I'm not doing it for spectacle. I'm not doing it for spotlight. I just wanted to know, let the rest of our church family know that everybody is standing. Literally, everybody is standing. Literally, everybody is standing, meaning we're together. We are together. And may our African-American brothers and sisters continue to know that. Continue to feel that. Amen. You guys can be seated. I also would like to take a moment to honor the helpers. I like to honor the helpers. Draw your attention to one verse in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Paul writes, but thank God. He said, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Anything. You just never know what a gesture will do in trying to help someone, whether they know it or not. God says in his word, it is never useless. You know, the last 12 weeks, certainly, I don't think anybody could have scripted any of this. <laughs> Nothing. It's been crazy and here at our church, we, we've tried our best to pivot and adjust, you know, to make ways for our church to try to continue to remain connected together in a world of, in a society of social distancing. I still don't think I'll ever get used to saying that statement, social distancing. And I, there's, been a, there's been some folks who have really helped me these last 12 weeks 
in, in helping to make the ministry of the church move forward, primarily our, our church at home online services. How many of you have been able to see, you don't have to say I've watched all, but you've been able to catch some at least. That's good, I'm glad. Because when you, when you log in, we see your name and we know. That's not true, I'm kidding. We ain't that deep state or any of that nonsense, all right? Because <laughs> somebody was like, oh, I had my child do it and I didn't went back to bed. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm joking. <laughs> we don't track, all right? But we do care. So there's been some folks who have helped make our online church service happen. And others who have also, uh, some of our elders, our deacons, along with our pastoral staff, have made phone calls. How many of you have gotten us some phone calls from people? Like, a lot, and you're like, will you please stop calling me? Like, voicemail. Pastor Jeremy, yeah, voicemail. Pastor Jeremy, again, voicemail. Van Nash, I ain't talking to him. Voicemail. Those are just some things we wanted to, obviously the online service, to have that carry on, and calling and texting you and our members every week as much as we could uh, to just pray with you, to check in on you, and to express to you we, we're thinking about you and we love you. So I, I want to just recognize those few folks. Now listen, if you did some other things to help make things happen and your name's not called, today's not the day to get offended. Do that on another day that doesn't end in why. those who have really helped these last 12 weeks literally they've showed up every Saturday to help film record, produce, edit, make it happen for our service to go online. Curtis Wise right in the center back there if I could turn the camera on you I would man thank you uh, Thomas Brown who's not here today but Thomas Brown has also been another one back at the camera or on another side camera Kate Taylor, right there, behind the computer. Kate. Megan Pittman, right over here. Lori Taylor, right there. My man J-Dog, Jeremy Young. Uh, Double B, Brandon Bailey, right over here. Thomas Varghese sitting right there. Appreciate you guys. James Pittman. He's moderating our online crowd today. Lindsey Young right here. Pastor Prentice Woods over here. Also affectionately known as Dr. Woods. It's just a joke, inside joke. Max Garner, who's not able to be with us today. Van Nash, right here. Rodney Bishop. Jeremy Calhoun, who's unable to attend today. My wife, Haley Smith, right here. Her entire 
uh, Next Gen Ministry with Lindsay and, and Haley that serve behind the scenes. I don't know everyone who does that, but I want to say thank you to everyone who served, who's put on our, our created Zoom every week, tired of Zoom, uh, created uh, uh, online services for our kids and making those things happen. And also in our office with Kaylee Humphreys here as well. And Mr. Dan Hurley, today is his birthday, not in church with us. Maybe online if you are, Dan, happy birthday to you, man. Again, just trying to recognize some of the few folks who last 12 weeks honoring those who have helped. You're making me feel weird. I did. I did say that. Okay, I'm watching the camera, so it's weird here for a moment. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody but I intentionally did not mean to, okay? Um, let me invite you guys to stand. You know, to the hurting, we just say again, we honor you. To all the helpers, Brandizel and others who have helped make things happen. We just say we honor you today. We honor you today. And to the Lord our God, we honor you today for such a time as this. May the holiness, the sacredness of our God be felt in our lives and be shown to the world in which we live. Would you pray with me? Bow your heads. Our gracious God, you are the creator of life. And you provide through your son Jesus the one and only way to know eternal life. And it's our prayer today that anyone who does not know you, who has never confessed you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior of their life, they would do so. Or others who may feel distant, who are like, you know, I've dropped this faith ball and I'm, I'm, I'm far apart from the Lord. I want to come back to him today. Just, I'm going to pray, and you, you just kind of pray with me. Oh, God, I pray for those today who are lost but want to be found, those who are distant but want to be near to you. And you can just say in your heart and your mind today with your mouth, Lord, I love you. Accept me. I have fallen. I am not where I want to be or where you created me to be or who you want me to be, but today I recognize you call my name. You know my name, and you call me into life. I accept Jesus into my life. I come back to the Lord. I'm coming back home. And I want to follow you, Lord. I want to serve you with my life. Help me. You pick up the broken pieces. Put my life back together again. Fill me fresh with your Holy Spirit. And empower me to be everything that you really and truly created me to be. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And to the rest, Lord, we pray today. Heal the hurt in lives. Restore. Restore goodness. Mercy justice back into this land and let it let it truly move 
Let it truly not just trickle, but let it cascade as a waterfall and run wide and run deep and run far into our lives. Empower your church, your people today to continue to love you, our Lord, with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourself. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.